0: Welcome in to the Irish NFL Show with this Thursday night football. The Denver Broncos going up against the Cleveland Browns. Hello to everybody from around the world, from Ireland, watching. Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary. Lads, welcome in for a start. How are we doing? Good?
1: Very good. Uh, yeah, uh, I the fact that when I yeah. look at the, the Browns injury list, um, it fills me with hope. That's a sorry state of affairs, but that's where we're at.
0: Happy days. Brian, all, all good from London?
2: Well, no, I'm in, I'm in Dublin, so I'm not in London, but thanks very much, Michael. <laughs> From the but, weekend? Um, of the weekend, I thought, we, I, I thought we were done and dusted with London. You know? We went through it on Monday night and we have to move on, and we're moving on to it. An enticing Thursday night game, yeah? Um, I'm not entirely sure if that's the case with the level of, with the amount of players that are out, but um, for your guys, you know, you, you look at the fixtures at the start of the season, the schedule, and you say, I don't think we're going to win that game, and you write it off as a, as a potential de- defeat, but with the season that it is, and the injuries that the Browns have, and the way they're playing, I think it's a real, real opportunity for the Broncos to rebound tonight.
0: Well, let's see what happens ahead of tonight. I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the football tonight. Delighted as well, lads, to be joined from ESPN by Seth Walder, who's an ESPN Sports Analytics Writer. Seth, uh, a very, very warm welcome into the Irish NFL show. How's it going, man?
3: it's going great thanks for having me guys i'm jealous of your pint though it's a little early here for that for me but uh but looks good
0: (laughs) it's never too early seth um i'm (laughs) buttoning and calmer have you any irish heritage yourself seth have you ever been to ireland before
3: i have i have been to yeah i guess uh like i have i do have uh irish ancestors but um uh, and i've been to ireland i actually grew up in london more than anywhere else so um It wasn't, you know, Ireland's not too far. I've only been once, I guess, but uh, but have spent. I moved to England when I was 12 and I was there until until I went to college and my my family was there a little later. So um, familiar with football fans on the other side of the Atlantic, I guess I should say.
1: Very good, and obviously we uh, enjoyed a couple of games in uh, London over the last few weeks. Um, but the Broncos played this evening, Seth, and uh, you were telling me that your uh, big break, I guess, in the industry came uh, involved a former Bronco. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, sure. I was working for the New York Daily News uh, covering high school sports in New York City, um, and the Jets traded for Tim Tebow in 2012. Um, And it was obviously a huge deal. Tim Tebow was at the height of his celebrity. This is, you know, after the famous Broncos playoff victory over the Steelers and where he throws that touchdown pass in overtime. And so there was absolute Tebow mania. And my editor called me into the office and said, you know, we'd like to send you to Jets training camp, which was in upstate New York. It meant, you know, going away for a few weeks and we, but we just want you to write about Tim Tebow, basically all the time. And I was like, sure, of course. Um, and it was ended up being, a, yeah, a bit of a break for me because I that sort of got my got me that opportunity to to do that. It worked out. the The paper said, why don't you stay on? You know, cover the Jets as a as a backup writer, and and later on, I became the beat writer. So, um, yeah, it was a it was. A little bit of a little bit of a break. I had a I had a crazy assignment with Tebow, too, after that year, which didn't go very well um, and the, the Tebow trade didn't work out and the Jets hadn't they hadn't he was still on the Jets like the following February. And my they sent me out. My editor emailed me one night. It was like, do you know where Tim Tebow is? And I said, I think he's in Arizona. And he emailed me back and said, OK, why don't you fly there tomorrow and find him? And I was like, to be clear, I just said, I think he's like somewhere in the state, you know? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you'll figure it out. Just just go to Phoenix tomorrow and figure it out. And uh, so me and a photographer flew to flew to Arizona. We spent five days searching for him, and eventually we we did find him, uh, like running on a track, um, which with some British Olympians, actually. Um, he was like trying to get faster at the time. So anyway, yes, a former Bronco did, uh, did kind of give me a, a break and that did really get me into NFL coverage.
2: Seth, over the past number of years, we've seen how, how important the analytics has come into the game. You know, we, A case in point is that fourth down play on Monday night where the Bills went for it. Oh, in the past, it would have been take the field goal and take your chances in overtime. But as the years have gone on and the probability percentages and all the coaches are working with that information, can you give us more in depth, I suppose, of the role itself that you have
3: within ESPN at the moment? Sure. Yeah. At ESPN. So basically, what the way my job works is we have a sports analytics team uh, made up of, like, depending on how you count, like eight people. And uh, it's mostly statisticians and developers. Uh, and our job is to create metrics for a variety of sports. We don't just cover the NFL, uh, college football. NBA, college basketball, though I primarily focus on NFL, my job is to take the work that they create and turn that into sports stories. So it's it's doing football analysis, right? Just same as any other analyst, but using these sort of advanced metrics, um, it's becoming so crucial to be able to, I think, I mean, I'm biased, but I think to be able to tell these stories, like you mentioned, on, on Monday night, the Bills go for that fourth down and these are decisions that teams are having to make so we might as well start thinking about it in the same way that teams are and uh, i'm sure there were, a lot went into that that choice but fundamentally the bills are going into that with some sort of you know decision-making parameters and i assume that involved they're they're one of the more analytically advanced franchises so i would assume that did involved a lot of data work to prepare for situations like that. So yeah, that's my job at, uh, at ESPN. And there's another f- role there too, which is to internally do some work. So when we create a new metric, it's not just going to like appear on SportsCenter the next day. You have to, you know, show people internally, like, why does this make, why does this make us better? What, what does it tell us that we couldn't know before? What is it a upon compared to what we had before? And, uh, so some of I do some of that work, and I'm really lucky because I get to work with some great statisticians, and I've been able to build up my own technical skills, so I can do some things on my own too, which is which has really been a great opportunity.
0: Um, Seth, I know this is not directly re- relevant to your role, but even from those Tebow days to now, the difference in this league in terms of the expansion internationally, but also recently more so in the states with analytics and betting is just for it's 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 fascinating to see from here because obviously it's ingrained in our sport here but um I'm not sure if you work much or that with with ESPN but it's it's crazy to see because it's just it's exploded in in the US in the last year or so.
3: It's it's been completely wild. Even just my four and a half years at ESPN like the difference between where we were then and where we are now is so incredible. I do a uh, I do go on our betting show Daily Wager um every week and talk about Uh, Our model, you know, compared to compared to upcoming game spreads or maybe futures or um, you know all sorts of different bets, props, right? And I think to me, like, there's a natural overlap in the work that I do and our team does with sports betting because, like, ultimately, like, the majority of what we're doing is like, what are we doing? We're predicting sports, right? And so that's what that's what betting is, and um, and so I think yeah, I think it's great, you know, from a, from the aspect of storytelling too. And one thing I love too, about the, like that show, for example, is I've gone on for a couple of years now and I love the, 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 the way that the producers approach it, which is sometimes I'll I'll come in with an idea and say like, Hey, you know, this is kind of like an, an advanced thing and they're all for it. They don't, they're like their philosophy is betters want the best information that you can give them. So if it's if it's an advanced metric, who cares? Like let's you know let's throw it out there and we'll we'll take the time to explain it because that's the best information that we can give. And so um, that's been really cool. They've been really open to that.
1: Said so you had a couple of really interesting um, tweets earlier on, like your tweets are always interesting, but I really like the, the stuff around the uh, expected versus actual in terms of receiving yards and, and in terms of over and underachieving um, wide receivers. Um, for, for you, when you were putting that together, I'm just interested, I suppose, were there surprises in there, either in terms of the over or the underachievers
3: and, and what jumped out to you? Yeah, this is something I started. I've had a version of this in past years. This year, I was able to sort of put it all together. So, um, and it's, this is like ninety-five percent not my work. So, to be clear, the folks at NFL Next Gen Stats have an expected completion probability uh, metric that they assign to every pass. Um, so basically, like based on how far downfield it is, you know, the dis, you know, the is the quarterback throwing it on the run separation from nearest defender or the sideline. There's a whole bunch of factors that go into it to determine the the expected completion probability. Um, They also have an expected yards after catch model. And so you can put those two things together and get an expected receiving yards, right? So on any given pass, maybe it's 10 yards downfield. There's a 60% chance of completion. So that's six expected air yards. um, And maybe it's 10 expected yards after catch, which would be a lot. Uh, but again, only a six a six sixty percent completion rate, so that would be a pass of twelve expected receiving yards. Some guys are going to overperform that, and some guys are going to underperform that. And I think it's really interesting to look at, at who does what. There are times when I guess the thing that, that has really stood out is Jamar Chase this year. I mean, Jamar Chase is leading the league in receiving yards over expectation, and it's been both for, in both aspects the. He's been catching passes at a higher rate than we would have expected, which is ironic given the storylines that were coming out in the preseason about his drops. And then he's also exceeded his yak expectation. So that's been really notable. On the flip side, uh, Mike Evans has been um, underperforming, I guess, in terms of the, relative to the opportunity. And I think, you know, I get asked this question is it from a fantasy perspective, does this mean this player is a buy low? I think the answer is that when it's a player like Mike Evans, who is established, has a long track record of being a good, a good receiver, uh, is playing with a good quarterback, his situation hasn't dram- dramatically changed from last year? Now, the answer is yes. Like Going forward, my, Mike Evans has gotten a lot of opportunity. Going forward, we should expect him to convert more of that. Seth, um,
4: Seth, it's lovely to see you. I'm a bit like Kramer. I just burst in halfway through <laughs> the conversation. and. And thinking of Seinfeld, George Costanza had a number of scenes with various Yankees over the time. And one of the sports where sports analytics obviously really took off, I'm thinking of Bill James, I'm thinking of the evolution of Moneyball, and it's the old trope, but of course, is has always been baseball. I mean, statistics, analysis back in the day, and obviously the greater sports analysis and all the more modern statistics obviously have come into the play in that sport. Can you ever see, or do you see football ever evolving to that level, or is it just always going to be too small of a proper sample size to have the same degree of analysis and extrapolation?
3: I think yes. It's just baseball is not going to stay still either. So if if like it's not, I don't, I'm not sure football will catch baseball in that way. But will football be where baseball is, where baseball is now? Like, will football be there ten years from now? I think about about then. I mean, I'm basing that on I do a survey every year of analytics staffers across the league. And I just I just published it a couple of weeks ago. And that was one of the questions I asked was, how many years behind baseball is NF is the NFL from average baseball team analytics wise to average uh, football team analytics wise, and the average answer was 10 years. So I mean, 10 years, first of all, is like an absolute eternity when it comes to all of this stuff, which I think speaks to the gap between the, the two sports. There are some, th- you know, it is a more complicated sport in the sense of, you know, 22 players moving around. You don't have this kind of like isolated matchup the way that you do in, in baseball. But yeah, I think that we're going to see tremendous strides in football over the next 10 years. Like, I think it's going to, we're going to, I mean, 10 years ago, the, like you mentioned at the top, there would be a lot of fourth down decisions now where uh, most coaches or every coach would go for it and none of them would have gone for it 10 years ago or one of them or something. So I think we're gonna see a lot of change over the next 10 years, I would imagine. And
4: and just a quick follow-up, Seth, how much does actually historic regression testing or patterns play into the analysis you're doing at the moment? I mean, like, for example, I don't know Derek Henry has never gone below 40 yards since October 2019 so to predict him to go under 40 yards in a game like last
3: Monday would have been madness clearly to go under 40 I mean that would have been I mean I would hope you'd be getting really good odds if you were expect if you got uh if you got, got Derek Henry under under 40 rushing yards the yeah I mean obviously like everything we do is rooted in in the past right so everything we do is is built on what's happened before and how how do you extrapolate going forward i think if you were trying to model out what derek henry is going to do on a game by game basis and we don't have an individual like rushing projection model um it would yeah, I mean, he would be an outlier. Like, let's, you know, for sure. It doesn't mean... The question is, like, does he? Does his past performance under... The thing is, his past performance has also been an outlier. So I'm not sure, like, that would necessarily be a problem.
2: Seth, you touched on the Tibetan podcast. Um, our our partner's Matchbook Exchange uh, informed himself and Michael this afternoon that this time last week, the Browns were minus 6.5 points for this game this evening. But obviously, as the week has progressed since the, the previous games and all the injuries it's essentially going to be a pick'em game come mm. come kick off what's your thoughts on the game do you feel the browns can overcome the injuries or is it just a great opportunity for the broncos to see
3: you know i actually am really interested to see what happens tonight so i'll say this so we had uh if i can if i can pat our model on the back for just a second here uh on sunday night on sunday on sunday night it was five at like a 9 p.m sunday night last year so i know it started it started higher than that at that point I do an early look ahead headlines story for ESPN. And, and that was one that jumped out because I said um, we had it at three and it didn't know that Baker Mayfield had attend- just attended his post-game press conference in a sling. And so whether he was going to play or not, who knew, but like when you're showing up to that press conference in a sling, that's not a good sign. So we had that uh, lower. Now with Mayfield out, we're right in line with the market. So we the the line when I last checked it a bit ago was was Browns minus one and a half, yeah. um, and we have Browns by one point eight. So uh, we're right there on the same. I think that to me the interesting thing that's going to be tonight, actually a couple things. Number one, the Browns rushing game is they're really relying on it, and it's not normally if I'm you know an analytics guy I would come in. Criticizing how much a team runs, right? But the Browns are an exception in that they actually have been more efficient running the football than they have been passing the ball. Uh, and that's with their starting quarterback back there as well. So to me, that's interesting thing, thing number one. The other thing though is that their running backs have been really effective. So Next Gen Stats has this great metric called rush yards over expectation, which is basically. The, at the point of handoff, what is the expected rushing yards that a player, that a running back, ought to get based on the positioning and you know the direction each player is facing, the speed at their at their moment? So it's sort of looking at this entire image of 22 players and saying, okay, this run should go for five, say, uh, and then how much do players, do the running backs exceed that? Nick Chubb is the guy that more than anybody else, pretty much over the last couple of years, has exceeded. Uh, rush yards over expectations. So I'm really curious to see what their running game uh, is like without him and Hunt uh, this week. And then the last thing to me about this game that's interesting is if Jack Conklin is out, again, it depends on, you know, Wills and Conklin, both tackles were gone last week. I think that's problematic. They both score really high in our pass-blocking metric um if conklin's out that, that's probably where von miller is going to be most of the time i think that's going to be an interesting matchup if well it'll be interesting either way but if conklin's out that could be a problem for for case keenan and the browns
0: absolutely let's see what happens tonight seth i want to thank you very much for coming on man you're welcome anytime and all the very best the rest of the season thanks so much Seth.
3: hey thank you guys for having me really appreciate it always love nfl fans on the other side
0: John, all the best. Thank
3: you.
0: Great to have Seth Walder on. Check out Seth on Twitter as well. His Twitter bio was linked on our page. At the minute, we've put it on our page. We are joined now by uh, the King of Sky Sports Not NFL. The UK, yeah? Well, you've got, we've, we've, we've got Neil, but we've also got Jeff Ryan. But Jeff, thanks for stopping in, man. Can you hear us? Plante, start, yeah? Plante,
5: fellas. I tell you what. What an awesome thing! You're up there asking questions of Urban Meyer, and he can't understand a word. It was, that was priceless today, fellas. I retweeted it. He doesn't speak Guinness, I guess.
0: Does
2: Jeff? Speak Jeff? Um, Mark was in the other room asking two questions about the, his weekend in London, and he started referring to being on golf courses. So I'm sure all the Dolphins fans are kind of saying, "We just lost a tough game, and you're, you're, you're answering questions about golf courses."
5: Uh, you can't win, baby. You can't win when you're one in five. That's for damn sure.
1: <laughs> Jeff, I'm, I'm interested. They, they are, obviously they got the win and they are, they are one in five, but how impressed and look, he's the, he's the number one overall pick, but how impressed have you been with Trevor Lawrence over the last few weeks in particular?
5: Well, I, you know, he's obviously going through the growth that all rookie quarterbacks go through. It's, it's, it's Learning on the job in the National Football League is a hard place to learn on the job. It's an unforgiving environment. And, you know, you see progress every week. And I think if you're a Jacksonville fan, you have to feel like this might be a legitimate guy. You know, they've been, they've been down this road before, you know, Blake Bortles. And, and you know, so I think they're, they're, they have a right to be skeptical a little bit. But I tell you what, guys, I have seen much growth in that kid in the last three weeks
4: jeff i feel bad asking a fellow coach this question but we were talking about this on monday night you wouldn't have predicted john gruden being gone from the raiders say two three weeks ago but there is always a clock on nfl coaches i mean there's only 32 jobs and a hell of a lot of people want those jobs and inevitably the question was going to be a bit about urban meyer if he went 0 six and with everything that's gone on in jacksonville what's going to happen to him but now Brian Flores is one and five and we asked him a few questions in his press interview. you, but the, the Miami beat writers were almost salivating at him and saying, why is it all going wrong, Brian? And, you know, what about you? And what's your responsibility on all of this? I mean, whether Brian Flores or another, I mean, who do you really see as maybe being the next big NFL coach that's on the hot seat and
5: might not be there in a few weeks time? Well, I tell you what, there's 32 of them in that league. There's nine of them in our league. So there's 41 on the planet. And I would say, of that 41, other than maybe Belichick, there's 40 of them are on the hot seat. It's just a matter of time. You know, it just, I had had a friend of mine describe describe it to me one time as you take a head job in pro football and they point a gun at you and pull the trigger. And it's just how long can you stay in front of the bullet? And that's just life in this business. And there seems to be nothing. And this is, I think, a, a bit of an American cultural thing. But, you know, America loves to create heroes. And they the thing they love next most to that, or maybe more than that even, is they love to see those her- heroes fall. And I think that that's what happens to coaches. You're As soon as you're hired, you're on the hot seat. You know, Bum Phillips, the great Oiler head coach for all those years, said it perfectly he said there's only two kinds of coaches them's that's been fired and them's that's going to get fired so I think Flores is is bought himself some time because of you know the year that they had last year I mean here was a guy that got some votes for coach of the year and certainly you know but you got to remember now Mr. Ross is in his 80s and he doesn't have a lot of seasons left and he desperately wants to win a Super Bowl so I think that'll play into this thing um, you know, I think Zimmer's a guy that's in that conversation. Fangio's a guy who could get in that conversation real fast if they continue to tail off. Um, you know, everybody. I mean, it's just the nature of the business. And, um, you know, there there are guys that you say, well, there's no way that that could, could happen. Well, think again, because it might.
4: You, Jeff, I have to say, you mentioned the great Bum Phillips there. One of my favorite quotes by him was about another Dolphins legend, Don Shula, when he said, "Shula would take his and Beecher, and then he could take yours and Beecher as well." Basically, saying he could coach up anybody to beat the other side in relation to it. He had a great turn of phrase, to be sure.
5: Yeah, and B- Bum was, uh, you know, behind the cowboy hat and the big belt buckle, and you know the the. The Marlboro coat that he wore on the sidelines in cold weather. There was a very intelligent human being. I mean, he was Bum was a you know Bum was a high school teacher and coach when he started in the business, and then he rose through the college ranks and and really had a very very fast you know fast track to the, to the National Football League because he was such an outstanding coach, so intelligent, great one of the really really best defensive coaches of his era
2: Jeff November the 7th trade deadline you know over the past few days we've seen speculation around the teams that are not playing particularly well you know, potentially trading players away for picks moving forward already towards the draft and all that comes with that but obviously the Deshaun Watson news broke yesterday that it looks like the Dolphins are seriously making a play for him now are you surprised bearing in mind that we don't really know what's going to happen in the long run in terms of the off the field stuff that needs to be cleared up
5: no, I, I, I'm not surprised because he's a, you know, he's probably one of the four or five best quarterbacks in the league when he's healthy and playing with good players around him. He, here's a guy that's hung some crazy numbers and has has had a rotation of bad offensive linemen in front of him. And, you know, so you think about what he could do with, with weapons. Now, obviously, there's so much that has to play into that because you mentioned all the offseason stuff, all, all the off-field off stuff. What's the league going to do? All of those things. So you're taking some risk. It's kind of a buyer beware situation if you go down that road. But certainly for teams that are trying to, you know, make a jump or make a step, he's, he's a guy that you'd have to talk about. And, and the Dolphins are in a unique position in that it. it's going to be a price tag that comes with it. But the Dolphins are one of the few teams that has the kind of draft collateral still that, you know, that Houston would be, would be interested in. It's a shame that he's not playing because we, as fans, I certainly, you know, miss having that a transcendent talent like that at quarterback playing in the league.
0: Jeffrey, just finally, man, you must have been very proud watching London last weekend after your whole time in uh, in Sky Sports Studios. But just everything—it's it's great to have it back close to home, but also to see the growth, the development of the league. And also, two-part question to round us off here, as we have Lindsay Jones coming on. Are we doing a show tomorrow night? Are, 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 have you got an exclusive? Who's the guest, or, or what's going on?
5: We are, we are percolating up right now, coffee with Coach for tomorrow. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm, I'm in negotiations. If you, if I, let me talk like I'm a big shot, right? I mean, you can, we can, all kid each other. I'm in negotiations <laughs> with a certain Sebastian Vollmer, who is a Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, and really instrumental in what's going on in in this NFL in Germany. You know this. The three cities have been selected. Sebastian was a part of that process. I'm trying to get him on tomorrow to talk about, uh, you know, not only that, but how, you know, how he thinks the Patriots are doing. He is a great player for the Patriots. And, and you know, he's a great visit. Um, really one of our own because he was a guy that came through the NFL uh, player pathway program when I worked there. And he's been a very close friend of mine ever since and just wrote his second book. So I was going to give him a chance to, you know, pimp his book a little bit on the show but my my biggest takeaway from london was obviously the fact that it's the second best environment for an nfl game that you'll find outside the super bowl because it's the only one where you go and you guys mentioned it every one of 32 jerseys and is represented and we still see you know cheese heads from scotland and barcelona dragon jerseys and frankfurt galaxy jerseys and so that part I loved about it. The other thing was, it was really cool to watch what you guys did. Uh, and, I, and I mean that sincerely, you know, I thought that was really, really big time and, and a big step. And for you guys to get over there and, you know, reclaim the, the, uh, the rooftop that once the Beatles held a free concert on, you know, I mean, that how cool was that? You know, that you guys came and took that, took that mantle, but it was great to see you guys over there. And I thought you did a fantastic job and, you know, I really, really uh, admire your work and, and uh, never miss a show.
2: Jeff, just sorry, one more. Um, you two did a video on the roof in L.A. back in the day, and uh, that's the next one. That'll be the one for the Super Bowl in February.
5: All right. Yeah, hey, fellas, well, maybe we could do it together. We'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll break ground, as they say. Yes, sir.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, Jeff. We'd be uh, delighted to uh, to have you join us, whether it's LA, whether it's London. We're always delighted to talk to, to Jeff Reinbold. Uh, I called you inimitable on Twitter, and I think it's uh, fitting. Jeff, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat to us this evening, and we look forward to welcoming you back to the Irish NFL show again soon.
5: Hey, I tell you what, you know, we got to do a show when I come over to do the back half of the season for Sky. I've, I'd love to come over and do a show with you guys on the on the Emerald Isle. I, that'd be a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Keep doing your keep keep doing your thing. I love it. Aloha,
0: Jeff. Thanks a million, man. See you tomorrow. thank you. Take care. See you soon. See you soon. Take care. God bless, Jeff Reinbold. On the show, delighted to have Jeff, and we'll be on tomorrow at coffee with Coach. And he is going to do a show in Dublin in some capacity. Uh, our final guest tonight uh, needs no introduction, but we've had her on before from the athletic, Lindsay Jones. Lindsay, hopefully the Wi-Fi is working okay. I'm going to bring you in. Uh, thanks so much for waiting, Lindsay. Welcome in again. Great to have you back on the show.
6: Hi, guys. How's it going?
0: It's going good. And look, Lindsay, thanks so much coming on. Um, you're talking, what, uh, two, four, uh, three or four hours out for the Broncos playing the Browns. Obviously, you're based in Denver. It's been an interesting six weeks, hasn't it?
6: It has, yeah. I mean, this has been quite a roller coaster season for the Broncos, where, you know, I they probably were never as good as their three and 0 record indicated. I'm not sure if they're as bad as, you know, maybe they've been over the last couple of weeks. I did go to two of those games, the two games that were played here in person, um, against the Ravens and against the Raiders last week, and there was a lot of like yikes going on about what the Broncos were putting out on the field, and. um, I mean, they still have a lot of talent. You just think that, okay, you got to start pulling through here because there was so much to like early in the season that I don't think was just because of the competition that they were playing. I don't think it was just because they were playing the the Jets, the Giants, and the Jags. I mean, that certainly helped. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they were overperforming early and now underperforming now. And, you know, maybe three and three is accurate, but they've just been all over. The place with the type of performances we've seen
1: lindsay um i suppose um someone else who who got off to to a hot start uh was uh your your five-year-old in her picks uh we, yeah. we have we have a, a, a kind of a competitive battle going on between the four of us in terms of picks but could you talk to us about leader's picks
6: sure yeah and um Would not be surprised if at some point in the next couple minutes she comes bursting through that door she just got home from kindergarten about 10 minutes ago and um my husband is downstairs like flying her with snacks to say don't interrupt mommy right now but she absolutely might make an appearance um but yes we started doing this last season where it kind of just started out like we would write down her pics on a piece of paper and i would like post a picture and then i was like i have all this podcasting equipment like let's like record them and just like post it on Twitter. And um, uh, the woman who produces the athletic football show that I do once a week um, has so graciously um, added another thing to her plate and has turned Lena's uh, Lena's recording into a cute little podcast. And now she wants to do it on video. So um, I've been posting them on my like you know, on YouTube where I have no followers. I mean, I literally, I think they have like 10 viewers. I'll uh, I'll text you the link if you want to see it. Because um, we cut it down to like a two minute segment for Twitter where she usually goes for seven minutes. But she's getting into it and she, you know, she has a very short attention span. She's five. She doesn't, you know, watch full games, but she likes watching a little bit. She's very into the mascots, the colors of the teams, and then a couple of the players. Like she knows a couple guys, you know, she's got an unhealthy... Fascination with Tom Brady, um, Josh Allen. She seems to know. And I have a friend who is um, from Buffalo who just actually sent her a Buffalo Bills hat. So now she has a Broncos jersey, a Bills hat, and a Cleveland Browns shirt, which means she is super conflicted. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we like. She had a couple really good weeks. I think she went eleven and five in week two or three, and then she had a twelve and four week early. So she was just on a roll. She. We've, taken a little step back lately. And I feel like I've failed a little bit here as a parent. And then also as a NFL reporter. And that last week, I talked her out of changing two of her picks. She picked the Jaguars to beat the Dolphins. And I was like, are you sure? And she goes, well, are the Jaguars good? And I said, no, they're not good. And I said, but also the Dolphins aren't good. And she said, okay, the Dolphins. So I messed up there, and then I talked her out of picking the Titans on Monday Night Football. So I made a promise to her this week that I would not change any of her picks. She gets to go ahead and do it. I will not interfere, and she will probably be right more often than I am. So, but it's been fun. We really like it. Um, her newest picks, I'll I'll post them uh, shortly. I'll Actually, I'll, I'll send you over the link right now while we... <laughs>
2: lindsey i I have a five-year-old daughter as well but the best i get is oh no daddy's football is on again (laughs) and out of the room
6: yeah we have to do a lot of like you know i'll either we'll give her her tablet a little bit during a primetime game or um you know so we can put the tv on the big screen or i put it here on my phone and she gets to watch disney plus or whatever or whatever she wants she has figured out that or she knows that the primetime games, which is right at her bedtime. So games kick off here in Denver at six six twenty, which is you know getting right into dinner dinner time bedtime. She knows that the, they stream on my phone, and so we'll get in bed, and she, it's a, her way of prolonging bedtime. Is like, "Mommy, can I watch football?" And I'm, I'm helpless, right? I'm like, "Okay, I guess we'll watch football." And then half an hour later, it's past bedtime, and we're still watching the fourth quarter of some random Monday night game.
2: Yeah, when it comes to iPhones, I think me and Mark know that more than the children. <laughs> Lindsay, you, you touched on the mixed uh, start of the season for the Broncos and another team in the division that's had a, a very mixed start and probably quite surprising is the Chiefs. Um, are you taken back by how off putting they have been, you know, in terms of the defense in particular?
6: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think the, you know, we've seen stretches from the chiefs defense in recent seasons, I think more so in 2018 and 2019, where you had to wonder like, Oh, this defense, like this might be a liability. Is this a fatal flaw? They're giving up a lot of yards. They would then seem to, you know, come up with the big turnover. They would be really good in the red zone. And then obviously they would, you know, they played well later in the season, but this feels different. This feels like a much more significant problem that you can't just fix through X's and O's that like Steve Spagnuolo, isn't going to be able to just scheme his way out of this, that there are some pretty significant talent deficiencies, speed deficiencies, especially. I mean, they are, it's just not, there's just not a lot of team speed on the defense. They're, they're kind of old. They're not getting consistent pass rush. Um, you know, and a lot of the the moves that they've made to try to fix that defense or, to, you know, the free agents that they've signed, um, they just haven't, it hasn't really worked out. The Frank Clark trade, you know, by pretty much any objective measure has not worked out for the Chiefs. Um, you know, he had a couple nice games during their Super Bowl run a couple of years ago, but he was not that consistent, um, pressure, uh, consistent presence, and he's been an off-field headache. He's, you know, currently facing, he's got some pretty significant legal issues going on right now, which were things that the Chiefs knew could happen. I mean, he was a guy who was off of a lot of teams draft boards um, when he came out of Michigan because he was he was actually kicked off the team. There was domestic violence allegation. I mean, there were all sorts of character red flags. I remember talking to um, a team executive um, a couple of years ago who said that, one, he was never on their draft board and he would not be on their free agent board ever as well. And that was when he was like playing really well with the Seahawks. He just was that much of a liability. So that move has not paid off. Um, you know, Chris Jones, I think he deserved that contract. I was glad that they paid Chris Jones, but he's been hurt. And if there's not good edge pressure around him, there's only so much, you know, one, you know, really, and I'll be a really disruptive defensive tackle can do. And, you know, I, I think he's played well when he's been healthy, but he has not been consistently healthy and they have all sorts of issues on their back end. Um, you know, Tyron Matthews, their best defensive player, can kind of work around that. Sometimes he's definitely getting older. Um, but yeah, the corner is an issue. The other safety spot is an issue. Their linebacking core is an issue. So yeah, so this is a problem. The other problem really with the Chiefs is that they've been turning over the ball a ton, and that is just very out of character for Patrick Mahomes, um, even for a guy who takes as many kind of risks as he does and makes as many um out of schedule throws with crazy arm angles and all of that sort of stuff. He never would put the ball or he very rarely would put the ball in a position that that was reckless. Right. I mean, it was a lot of, but, but he's been, you know, turning the ball over a lot. It's just been, it's been a little bit baffling. And part of me is like, okay, is he, is he feeling that he has to do more now? because he knows that his defense is such a liability and he feels like he has to hit that home run every single time he's on the field. They're in these close games late and you know he's throwing an interception on first down when he's trying to lead a fourth quarter you know, game tying or game winning drive. That's just stuff that he wasn't doing a couple of years ago. So I still think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're going to score 30 plus points more often than not, but they're going to be in these situations where they're not going to be blowing teams out anymore. They're going to have to win by win by shootouts. Um, And if we circle back to the Broncos, that's my big question now is are the Broncos up for that? We know that the Raiders are going to be, the Raiders are able to score a lot. And we absolutely know that the Chargers are, because the Chargers have already beaten them in that type of game at Arrowhead stadium. So are the Broncos up for scoring 30 plus points a game, even against the worst defense in the NFL and,
4: Uh, I I don't know the answer to that yet. I think Colm's expression gives away the answer. (laughs) um, Well, and
6: that's where I came back to when, you know, back at the draft when the Broncos took Patrick Sertan instead of Justin Fields or Mac Jones. I mean, I think much of the focus is on Justin Fields certainly is that I think Patrick Sertan is a really good player. And I think he's probably going to be a really good player for a long time. He's going to have probably a really long productive NFL career, but does he, catch you up to the Chiefs? Does he make you that much more competitive in your own division? Where you're playing in a division now that has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr. And I know a lot of people like to laugh at Derek Carr or whatever, say, oh, it's Derek Carr, but he's been playing really, really, really well, um, really well lately. And um, you know, you don't want to be the team in the division that is has the worst quarterback and potentially the worst quarterback by a big margin. And that's what that's what the Broncos are right now. And I'm not sure how much, you know, taking arguably the best cornerback in that draft has made them and how much if that has closed the gap with the Chiefs or the Chargers or the Raiders at all.
0: Uh
4: Lindsay, it feels mean to say, it, but I remember in preseason I joked that the Broncos had a decision to make between the fifth best quarterback in the AFC West and the sixth best quarterback in the AFC West, because I You're take not wrong. New- yeah, I know, I know. Um, but um, actually, with, you mentioned about pigs. I have to call out Colin Cronin actually on Sunday 11 out of 12 games he got. There you go. So, you know, he's he's keeping up with your five year old just about.
0: That's uh, a <laughs> good go. Fair play, call.
2: He's had two well, really good weeks. Sorry, Mark.
4: No, that's right. I, no, I was also going to uh, uh, empathize because I also have an unnatural obsession with Tom Brady. So, me and your five girls have <laughs> something in common as well.
6: She has a teddy bear named after Tom Brady. I think where this came from is that every year when I go to the Super Bowl, they have, except for last year, which was odd, they have like a they have a little bear. It's like kind of like the Beanie Babies bear, and it has it's in the Super Bowl colors for whatever the Super Bowl city and the logo. So, I always get her one. And then we name it after the Super Bowl MVP. So she has a, the first one is the Von Miller bear from Super Bowl 50 when I was pregnant and then pregnant with her. So that was technically her first, her first Super Bowl. And then, so she has a Tom Brady, a Julian Edelman, a Nick Foles, a Patrick Mahomes. And then now, um, I guess she would have had a second Tom Brady bear. We named him after Gronkowski. So we didn't have two Tom Brady bears, but she, she always picks the Brady bear as her favorite one for I
4: don't, I, don't, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. Lindsay, looking at the game tonight, right, we've got two teams with three and three, but I can't help but think of the uh, Greek mythology tale of Sisyphus. He escaped death twice, and then he was condemned by Hades to continue to roll a rock to the top of the hill, which would always fall down before he got to it. And he was doomed, doomed to do that for all of eternity. And I use the example of Sisyphus, Sisyphus because surely that's what it's like to be a Browns fan. After so many years in the factory of sadness, like, great playoff run last year, and then this year was going to be their year. So much positivism, so much enthusiasm, and you look into this game, they're likely missing Conklin and Willis again, likely missing both their starting running backs. Mayfield, as we know, is out. Their defense isn't a complete enough to mess. JC Treader's still out of center. I mean, it's... Did the football gods just hate Cleveland basically?
6: I think that might be part of it. I think um once uh, I think we're probably a little bit uh, an hour and a half away or so from the inactives coming out. Um actually yeah, about an hour and a half away from the inactives coming out. I think ultimately they're going to have a lot of those questionable guys back. Um Jed Wills is going to play at left tackle, but um Jack Conklin is definitely not out, so his backup Blake Hans is the guy who's going to have to go against Von Miller when Von Miller is super pissed off and ready to kill him. Which, I mean, I, I, for Von Miller's sake, I hope he has a big game. He really, he really needs that. The Broncos certainly need that. But yeah, I mean, there is this thing about like, oh, are they snake bit now? Because yeah, I mean, they they were kind of on this run. I mean, that the early part of their schedule was brutal. I mean, they had to go to Kansas City. In week one. They've already played against the Chargers and that game was in LA. That was one of the best, like craziest games of the season. I loved every second of that game. Um, And then they had to play the Cardinals last week, which that was a game that, you know, probably when the schedule came out, they thought like, oh, home game against the Cardinals. But now it's like the undefeated, like juggernaut Arizona Cardinals. So they've arguably had the hardest schedule of anybody through the first third of the season. Um, And they did not come out of it great. I mean, three and three is not great, especially in that division where the Bengals are surging and the Ravens look like they might be the best team in the AFC right now. So that's, that's tough. I mean, I still think that the Browns are in that top seven best teams in the AFC, but these injuries are hitting them at a, at a really, really bad time. Um, You know, we don't know, none of us know anything about D'Ernest Johnson, who's the backup running back. Um, Those of you guys follow the Broncos. So we all know about Case Keenum where, you know, I don't think I'd want Case Keenum to be my long-term starting quarterback, but as far as like a kind of a spot backup, this might actually be an okay situation for Cleveland. Like he has been in this situation before and has played well. And um, you know, he has a history with Kevin Stefanski. So you, you know, you have to hope that if you're a Browns fan, that, that this will work, that they'll, that Stefanski knows what to do to make Case Keenum succeed. They'll probably put in um, a lot of play action. they will try to get him out of the pocket a little bit. It'll be a lot of short, you know, quick reads. um, You know, I, I think, Stefanski will be able to put him in a situation to succeed. They're going to have to have a lot of short passes because with that tackle situation, um, you'd think Von Miller would be getting back there. But I don't know. I mean, I guess if (laughs) the other thing if you're a bronze fan is that the Broncos now are kind of like a get right game. I mean, that's what they were for the Raiders last week. Um, You know, the Broncos haven't been rushing the passer. Well, they haven't been stopping the run well, there's not a whole lot of things that you could actually look at the Broncos and say, Oh, that's we're, we're scared of that that they've been doing well from the last three weeks of the season. So that it makes it really intriguing. You know, I've been a little bit down on this matchup. Um, One of our running bits on the athletic football show is to um, sell me on Thursday night football, because a lot of the games early in the season have been really bad. And like, I, it was a stretch yesterday to like make this game like super intriguing for a national audience. And then my co-host, Robert Mays, like jumped into to mind and say this game actually matters. Like these are two teams that if you looked at the playoff standings right now, both of these teams are in there. So this is the game that ultimately probably will matter for playoff positioning later in the season. It just doesn't feel like it right now, given where both of these teams are at in this moment in week seven.
0: Obviously, yeah, uh, Case Keenum or Case Keesum, <laughs> as John Elway calls him. Also, Lindsay called him a short-term solution. So if I was Case Keenum or Case Keyson tonight, I'm looking at this game and I'm going, hmm, here we go. Uh, You know, obviously being based in Denver and covering the Broncos and the NFL in general, how alarmed were you with this team last week? You know, let's take away the fact they scored 14 points in the fourth quarter because take away that and it's it's not great.
6: Yeah, it was pretty troubling and... You know, I didn't see their first three games live. I watched mostly those games on television because um, what they were—one in New York and two in, uh one in Jacksonville—and um, then I was on the road during one of their other their other home game. But watching them on TV, like they looked different and dynamic, and there were just these different elements to the offense. And then all of a sudden, after a couple minutes into that Ravens game a couple weeks ago, and then absolutely for the three weeks since. It just feels like they're right back where they were in 2018, 2019, 2020, where it's just an offense that can't consistently put together long drives. They're constantly in third and long. Um, Garrett Bowles is committing penalties. Um, you know, underperforming defense, and that's you know, and that's just frustrating. And I'm sure it's I'm sure it's frustrating for for Broncos fans to you know how you got that glimmer of hope, right? Of like, oh, there's progress happening. Like we're going to be a competitive, relevant team in the AFC. And then it just felt felt like this giant, this giant step back. And, you know, I think a lot of it is coming down to coaching at this point. I mean, they've, they've acquired a lot of talent and, you know, I think there's a lot to like about Vic Fangio, but I also think the concerns about his in-game coaching are very, very valid. Um, and at some point, you know they're just not getting the most out of out of the guys that they have.
1: When Mark was talking about Sisyphus, I thought he was going to be talking about Broncos and QBs. And <laughs> I um, do too. Uh, when, when we, I suppose we've seen this week, um, uh, Lindsey Va- Vaughn talk about you know how angry he is, and you know they're they're harking back to 2018 and that Cards game. But the Broncos finished 20 2018 six and ten. So I don't know whether that's one I want to hark back to, but. Delving maybe a little bit on the in further on the coaching, like the Broncos have given up two plus sacks in every single game. This is year three of Mike Munchak. This was supposed to be the best line coach in the league. What what is going on in Denver?
6: Yeah, I mean, and I, I think for actually a lot, probably over the last year or so, the, the offensive line has actually been one of the better stories. And one of the more positive things coming out of here, because you did see like market growth, especially out of Garrett Bowles, Um, you know, Lloyd Cushenberry at center had, it was a rough, you know, I think a rough start to his career. You know, he kind of got put into that situation as a, as a rookie starter um, last year right away. But I think he got better as the season went on. They have dealt with some considerable injuries on that line this year. You know, there was that game a couple of weeks ago where they didn't have Dalton Reisner, nor did they have Graham Glasgow. Like that's, that's a big deal to lose both of your starting guards. And those are two, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say like very good players. I think they're very, very competent, um, above average players. So, you know, I, I think that has hurt the consistency of what the lineup ha- has looked like has, has hurt them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they just need to be better as a whole. And, you know, I think Munchak's strengths are that he is one of the best teachers in the NFL. And so I think he's he does a really great job of developing these guys, um, these young players, turning them into, you know, quality players. I mean, the fact that Garrett Bowles, like, went from being a guy who probably shouldn't have been in the NFL a couple of, or not, at least not a starting um franchise level left tackle a couple of years ago to a guy who um, played really well last season. I mean, that's amazing. And now he's regressed a bit, potentially the, um, you know, last year, they weren't calling offensive holding league wide that much that probably helped Garrett Bowles probably made him a lot of money. Now, you know, there's a little bit more point of emphasis on that from the officiating perspective, which is probably not doing him any favors. Um, But yeah, it's just one, it's just another Part though that's just a little disappointing, where you've seen some regression, um, regression there. And then I will say the right tackle position just con- continues to be a problem. Like I can't. Can you guys remember the last time that you that the Broncos had like a really good stable right tackle? I mean,
1: I, I we it, I mean, you're probably going back to the last time the Broncos were able to to cover a tight end, Lindsay, but uh, yeah, for, for I similar don't. Think, sort I mean, of thing.
6: Yeah, I mean, it just hasn't really happened. And, and the the carousel of quarterbacks has kind of overshadowed the carousel of right tackles. But, you know, that, it's been a major problem. They've spent a ton of money there and gotten no return on the investments that they've made at that position. And almost to the point that it's like, oh, we're just going to trot out some bodies and see who who is there instead of, you know, throwing Jawan James a considerable amount of money or, or whatever, but yeah, I mean, it, it has been an issue and it's going to continue to be an issue right now, especially, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, I, he's going to play tonight. I mean, we're going to see, we'll see the inactives in about an hour, but he's going to try to give it a go, but he's got this foot injury, a quad injury. He's not going to be that mobile tonight. Um, if Drew Locke has to play, he's a guy who tends to hold onto the ball a little bit longer. So it's definitely something to watch if they can protect, um, protect you guys who, um to say they're injury prone would probably be um putting it nicely
2: lindsay just stepping away from tonight's game the the season um, we're reaching you know nearly nearly the mid-half of the season obviously we've got the extra game this year is there any particular teams that you've enjoyed watching or you're pleasantly surprised how well they're doing
6: Ooh, um the chargers have been pretty fun i mean they got blown out last week against baltimore but i'd say the ravens are probably one of the other teams that I've been really excited about uh, just because they've been able to win so many different ways. I mean, we saw what happened when they came into Denver and the Broncos completely took away their running game and Lamar Jackson was just like, pew, pew, pew. Just, I mean, I think it was like his, at that point, it was his highest uh, highest passing yardage in a game. I think he surpassed it the the following week. Um, So they're winning with their passing game. They obviously can run the ball if they need to. They've, you know, gotten like their defense has been surprisingly good given how much turnover there's been and the injury issues that they had in the summer so um the Ravens have been fun Chargers have yeah I mean Justin Herbert is a stud I mean there's just like no other way around it I mean he's been really really fun to watch and um yeah we're all and I we're all into the Brandon Staley experience I mean he's our uh he's the NFL's Ted Lasso right of uh, positivity and communication and
0: believe Lindsay believe
6: believe yeah Yeah, i mean it's definitely happening there so um and the afc i would say those are the two that have been jumping out at me um and then the cowboys which is kind of wild um they i think are legitimately really really good you know i don't know if once we get to january You know, we're talking about playoffs and how that's all going to go. I don't know how much of their defensive success has been a little bit of luck or smoke and mirrors and how much, um, you know, they can continue to rely on like Randy Gregory to be a consistent pass rusher for them. Um, But they've been getting really good production out of their young players. Micah Parsons has been awesome. Uh, Their first round pick, Trayvon Diggs, obviously, I think he has seven interceptions right now, which, you know, some of that is luck. Some of that is, you know, you keep throwing at him and he's going he's gonna to make these picks. He's also going to give up some big plays, as we saw last week against New England, where he went basically back-to-back plays with a pick six and a 75-yard touchdown allowed. Um, that's kind of the Trayvon Diggs experience. Um, but I think, they're, I think the Cowboys are going to be really good. Their offense is fun. Dak Prescott is, uh, I mean, he's got to win the comeback player of the year award. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's squarely in the MVP conversation by the end of the year as well.
3: The
4: Trayvon Diggs experience a bit different from the Jimi Hendrix experience, but, you know, <laughs> similar, similar philosophy. Still also, fun, right? Yeah, also, I'm a bit annoyed you and Colin thinking I was going to say that a Broncos quarterback was a Sisyphean task. Like, no, I mean, Morpheus, the god of sleep and dreams, would be the depiction for Broncos quarterback, guys. That's <laughs> really the way we go. Um, Lindsay, let, let's flip that question the other way around, though. I mean, let's ignore Broncos who you've got a bit of disappointment in, although they're <laughs> on their way to four and five start, which is progress from the last four yeah. seasons. But, I'm like a disappointed
6: um, parent, right? I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Dis- I, I want it. better for them. Yeah.
4: We, we get it. We get it. But, I mean, outside of them, who has been a bit of a letdown for you this season that you were expecting more from and you just haven't seen?
6: Yeah. Um, the Seahawks have been um, a disappointment even before Russell, w- Russell Wilson's finger injury. You know, I think – you know, a lot of us came into this year saying like the NFC West is going to be bonkers. All of these teams are going to be really good. And the Seahawks Seahawks just haven't been, their defense has been bad. Um, We haven't seen the the kind of the progress in the offense that maybe we're hoping to see with the arrival of Shane Waldron as the new offensive coordinator, you know, and now without Russell Wilson, it's kind of like, you know, I think Geno Smith is going to do okay. Like he's, he's as good of a backup quarterback as there is in the NFL, but you know, if this was going to be a potential, you know, like a a division that was coming down to the very end of the season, to week 17, week 18, for two, maybe three playoff spots, I just think the Seahawks are pretty quickly out of that conversation. So that's um, that's been fairly disappointing. Um, I'm trying to think who else has been super, the Steelers have been, although I wasn't very high on them, I thought they were going to take, um, that they were going to take a step back this year. Um so yeah, that's probably. I mean, I, I guess the Seahawks are the one that I'm just like most most disappointed in at this point.
0: My bad, I was a mute. <laughs> uh I, Look, I, I I had to show up in some sort of colors, even though it's Demarius Thomas. But Lindsay, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Obviously, on on, on game day, you're busy yourself. Just finally, uh, I've put a link up to subscribe if you want to have a shout out for the Athletic. And also, who have you got tonight? Because you're gonna have to, and I don't want to yeah. give away spoilers here, Lindsay, but you're gonna have to convince me here because I at at the minute I'm I've never felt as hopeless for a Broncos primetime game, the only primetime game this season.
6: Yeah, that's what that I mean. That is telling about kind of where the Broncos are at in the NFL landscape that this Thursday night game is their only primetime game. I mean, remember a couple of years ago, I mean, during the Peyton Manning years, it was five, and then hoping they could maybe get flexed into another one. I mean, they were always, you know, you could always count on Monday night games, Sunday night games, and now not even a home, a home game (laughs) on a, on a, in a primetime slot. So that's not great. Um, I will say Lena picked the Broncos, um, and she tends to be right more often than I am. So maybe I have to go with, um, my five-year-old's pick with the Broncos, but I just, I, you know, I was really disappointed in the product that I saw. From the Broncos last week against the Raiders, and you know that was a game that they absolutely should have won, right? I mean, I think talent-wise, they're probably, they probably should be pretty close with the Raiders. Coaching-wise, they should have been able to outcoach a Raiders team that was in complete disarray, and they didn't. So, you know, I, I, you know, it's it with all of the injuries that the Browns have right now, they shouldn't win this game. But given what my eyes have shown me the last couple of weeks, I have a really hard pick, time picking the Broncos. But because Lena picked them. I will pick them as well.
1: Yeah, Lindsay, it's quite something that the Browns had twenty guys on the injury list at one point this week, and we're Yikes. still saying it's it's a coin toss. But look, we we always enjoy uh, talking ball with you, and uh, we just want to thank you for taking the time to join us and. Hopefully we can uh, have you uh, back on again. I know we'll have you on again um, in the off season because there's going to be that whole Broncos ownership situation to, oh, to yeah. talk about.
6: Oh, yeah, but that mess. On that
0: meant... the yearly quarterback situation,
1: Lizzie. The yearly quarterback situation. That too, and probably coaching changes. But for na- for now, thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking the time.
6: Thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you, thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay thank you so much, and en- enjoy
0: the game tonight. Thank you very much, and you can check out Lindsay's work on the Athletic. We've put a link on Twitter now as well. There's currently at this count, uh, you can subscribe both in the UK and in Ireland. Uh, thanks very much to Lindsay for coming on, lads. Welcome in. We've got Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, and David Duval on the show tonight. There's loads of comments here, gentlemen. Loads of comments. I know we're going to have a quick chat here, but let's try and get them very quickly. Owen Farrell, Niner Nation. Fred flunk says story lads good old friend iron and buren good cards uh let's see well there's loads of stuff here lads uh anthony has incredibly i fought derrick henry under 95 okay yeah that's Thank a great that. one michael that's a great one in fact i mean you were only 103 yards out seriously i woke up on tuesday morning and the fear <laughs> the fear that i had boys Isaac like looks like it looks like a close enough game i won I
2: I woke up from Tuesday morning to Derrick Henry plus two it. touchdowns and plus three, downs, th- three touchdowns on the betting side of things. Happy days, and the only one to pick the Titans, but we won't happen on too much about that.
4: Nah, good call on that, Brian. I mean, they did it like we thought they might rely on the run game, keep it tight, and the defense. High scoring, yeah, high scoring. came yeah. up big. Yeah, they came up big at the end with that fourth down stop. So that was huge.
0: Um, can I just give a shout out to the boys in work though? That's seen. The scene the Duval segment on Monday night and everybody was talking about it on Tuesday. So you're famous, Mark. Well done.
4: Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. I actually did pick uh, uh Henry over 95.5 yards as well after our segment, Michael. So sorry. I didn't then go Michael
2: it. Michael, we also have to declare something to the audience this evening. It's it's Marco's birthday today.
0: Is it? nobody told me nobody (laughs) nobody told me and and you know what like you know these these situations are you know ones that it's great for a start that it's obviously on a Thursday night right and I think Mark you know it's great that you can have a little Thursday night football action and enjoy the Broncos and see who's going to win tonight and we are going to get our picks in the second column and and see what we think but I guess for you Mark it's just uh, (laughs) Uh, anyway i typed in happy birthday mark I be a I <laughs> clearly not like, uh, we colin, to colin, come, you're you're colin uh you, you've recovered from london and colin i was watching the show earlier on back from monday jesus christ <laughs> that, if anybody wants to have a laugh watch that show back it literally started off like this welcome into our nfl show presented by trust that match becomes as well
1: yeah um well i, I think t- tonight uh, tonight despite what i think the game will be i think it's been a pretty high octane uh show uh, this evening I, I don't know if the the game is gonna live up to that um given that the uh, to be honest it might be that chubb and hunt being out is Probably an even bigger loss to um the the Browns than losing their um their their QB, which is is saying something. Um you've seen uh von Miller, uh, if, if people haven't seen it, Von Miller's comments during the, the week that he is gonna he doesn't care who's playing tackle, he's gonna kill them. Um and I'm I'm intrigued to, to see because Is it? Yeah, that's what he, he actually said. said that. That's what well, he, he actually has,
0: has, has like where's he been the last two weeks? Barbados, that's, Hawaii? Yeah. That's has he, he, has he watched the last
1: Boy Scout a few too many times? Um, well, Van Va- Va did. Van said the same against the the Carrots a few years ago. In fairness, did did show up. And the the Raiders over the last few years have been very effective at, um, I suppose. Uh, there you go. Look at that. Um, you know, ensuring that they get the ball out quick. Um, and the, the Broncos have never responded uh, to that. Um, there's also the fact that, um, I, I keep repeating Derek Carr had the highest passer rating in the NFL last week against Vic Fangio's defense. Um, so we really are in, in for one this evening, uh, how beat up is Teddy Bridgewater? Vic Fangio talked about player safety, um, and how disgraceful the Ravens running a play was. Um, but he now has a player who's had a concussion, who has, um, a foot injury, um, and he's going to put him out against Miles Garrett. So fascinating to to see how that one goes. Can the Broncos figure out how to utilize two really solid running backs? I think that's the other question. They don't—they have two really good running backs. I, I don't seem to know how to use them. Despite all of those things, um, given the list of players, uh, are we doing picks now, or are we waiting uh, until um,
0: one I... quick second? We're presented by Matchbook. Matchbook of a new offer column. So maybe you want to bet on the Browns tonight. 15 pounds, 15 euro. Welcome offer. Money back as cash if your first bet loses using code Irish NFL Show. New customers only sign up today using bonus code Irish NFL Show. Deposit at least 25 pounds euros. Place your first bet if it loses, they will refund your stake as cash. 18 over. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble aware. It's time. I've been waiting for this. I really haven't. Really, literally, really haven't. Boy, shift. Shift away, just shift away, but yeah, just, just a touch. Colin, I go on, entertain us, picks present a bit. Much, but with,
1: with the the litany of injuries that the um the Browns have. I think Vic Fancio had a, a very kind start to the season. I think, given that the Raiders were had an interim head coach, that was kind to him, and I think. The injuries that the the Browns had this evening have been kind I think the Broncos have to take advantage of it. Otherwise, I think that the season um, ends here and now. So I think the Broncos have put in a performance, much like they did in 2018. But as I said before, they finished 2018 6-10. But I think they do enough tonight to get the win in Cleveland.
2: Yeah, Lindsay touched on the fact that, you know... The chargers and the chiefs and can go and shoot outs. and now the Rangers within the division go and shootouts, and she she challenged whether the broncos are good enough to go into these back and forth games but for me this browns team i know they've got a lot of players out but this team for me runs to chubb uh, when chubb plays they're averaging around 150 yards a game but he's not the, the max hits is 90 and the average points goes from 30 down to 90 and they haven't scored more than 19 points when chubb hasn't played so for me on that basis I can't see them putting up more than 20 points on a Broncos defense that on their day can be pretty good and I think this fits into where where the Broncos are offensively they're not going to put up massive points but do I think they can put up enough to win this game I do I think Bridgewater will have a number of drives feed run the clock get a couple of touchdowns and put it on case King to beat them and I don't believe they will I think the Broncos will win and I'm going for the Broncos with a third week in a row and the last two weeks they've lost so I think we know what's going to happen with me picking the Broncos
4: Thank you for that. I'm, I'm all, I'm still a little bit disappointed in all of you for not getting the last Boy Scout reference. You know, with the killer American football player, like Shane Black. You know, screenplay, Bruce Willis. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. Any, anyway, we'll move on. We'll anyone? Move. Bruce Willis. What movie is that? Anyone? Bruce Willis. Uh, Die Hard. Anyone? Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Michael. What was uh, that? Brian?
2: Bruce Willis was sorry. in Die Hard, wasn't he?
4: Yes, Bruce Willis was. Happy in yes. Die Hard. Christmas is yeah, around the do. corner. We'll be watching
2: Die Hard again soon enough. Happy days.
4: That was probably the last movie you watched. I movie, stay, but... Die
2: Hard if you're going to stay able to half four in the morning watching this game.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, like you say that, I think it's going to be quite interesting to watch um because we don't actually know what offense the Browns will be able to put out. I mean, like, the, the you know, okay, they've activated Jarvis Landry from IR. As Lindsay just alluded to, we don't quite know the inactives at the moment, but. Both their tackles have been injured and were missing last week. JC Treader isn't coming back through the door necessarily. We believe both the running backs are out. I think one of them's been declared out, and we expect the other one to be. They're, they're both Mayfield, in. they have been both out. Okay, Mayfield is out. We know this. And out of all of this, and we kind of briefly touched on Lindsay, the Browns' defense is bad. It is a complete mess this season. They have been giving up points left, right, and centre. They were, yeah, obliterated by the Chargers and the Cardinals. And yes, of course, they are good offences. But they've been, you know, had clowning injured. They haven't had consistent linebacker position. And in the secondary, they've given up blown coverages left, right, and centre. Um, to me, <laughs> this is like when I picked the Lions against the Bengals. There's more about the Lions than the Bengals. But in this instance, to me, it's more about the fact that those injuries are just too much to overcome. There's too much um, uh, uh, damage to their team. And I think the Broncos are competent. They're certainly competent on offense. They're not good. Don't get me wrong. There's never going to be a mistake we'll make. But they are good enough not to make silly enough mistakes and to exploit the opportunity. Um, For me, it's the Broncos. But don't worry, guys. I don't think they're good enough to be any good teams. I just don't think that the Browns, with the injuries they've got, are actually good. Tonight,
0: so Broncos for
4: me as well,
0: guys. Thank you so much for that honest opinion at the end. Uh, case Keesum, Keesum. I'm sorry, <laughs> Maschenstein, and <laughs> the quarterback, and calling him the wrong name again. But, sorry, guys, I know I'm sorry.
1: When did that take place?
0: I'm sorry, Brad. Sorry, Brent.
1: When did that happen? At his at introductory press conference, just after we had given him 18 million dollars
0: good lord
2: okay
1: um it's a bit like Van Gaal when he called uh
2: Chris Smalling Mike, Mike Smalling,
0: Smalling. <laughs> that was better <sighs> right well apart from column did you two boys at the bottom watch the Broncos Raiders game of the weekend watch highlights of it watch a 40 minute yeah. tape of it yeah. Right. yeah but I they're not winning this game tonight um the and Raiders, here's... Here's...
2: let's not let's not dismiss how good the Raiders are in fairness
0: are you, are you taking the piss seriously the Raiders, the Broncos. The Raiders, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. The Broncos boys scored ten points through the first three quarters, and we're down what thirty-one to ten at the start of the fourth quarter. Are you trying to tell me this Broncos team are going to go in tonight after playing the, that? The result at the end, game?
2: in fairness, if you'd stepped away, you didn't know you didn't know how the game played out, and you looked at it, and so I think it was a ten-point win in the end. You know the reality is that that doesn't that's not a fair reflection of the game, but. Yep. I believe the Raiders are a team that are a serious draft for the playoffs. They know they've got all this craziness going on. And that's why I picked the Broncos last week. But it's, I think you're doing the service for a really good Broncos. Sorry, really, right, good well, let,
0: let, me, let, let me just sum it up then. The offense is probably manageable with a half-decent quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater, I don't believe, is fit. I'd love to see how, how far he's passed the protocol today to play. Um, you'll wake up tomorrow morning if you don't watch the game. And I would say Drew Lock will be in my mid-second quarter. That's panic signs already. Now this whole ball of saying the too many injuries, the Browns, Case Keenum's coming in. If I'm Case Keenum, boys, you're talking diehard. You're talking yippee Kaye, lads. Here we go. All the Browns have to do tonight is sack the quarterback, get the confidence down in that Broncos offense. You, You stop in the field goals and get something. And you look at guys like Jarvis Landry in the offense and they have a chance tonight. I'm taking the Browns and it kills me to say it. And if the Browns win this game tonight, fans, you should be gone tomorrow morning, because I would say his heart sank yesterday when he seen the news about Baker Mayfield, because his, his excuses then went went and just died there and there enough. But I, I I don't think Teddy Bridgewater sees out this game, and I'm going against my own team here, and it it just pisses me off that we're sitting here week six, one or two players away from giving it a playoff run, especially in the division where you have got the Chiefs that are struggling. I to put that in sorry
4: Brando. well I mean my Michael the, the Broncos are in the same space as the Chiefs you're only one game out of the division lead like maybe maybe your hope is not lost I'm seeing you <sighs> head in your hands I'm kind of like you know should we call the Samaritans do you need do you need have that? you watched the last three weeks
0: Vaughn Miller hasn't been there Justin Simmons got like great guy column he hasn't been very he hasn't been great the last couple of weeks has he let, let's be honest. Can, yeah, I, can, I, can,
2: I, can I jump in with a quick point? But this is the reality yeah, yeah. of the NFL, right? We say it every week, right? You know, one week you're up, one week you're down, right? If they win this evening, and despite what you said, Colin, they really, or sorry, Michael, they really should win this game, right? With all the injuries the Browns have. And then you play, and I don't mean to looking too far ahead, you're playing Washington at home next week. Washington are a train wreck at the moment. You could, by Sunday week, be 5 and 3, and the whole landscape
4: of the season changed. Look, no, no. look look no further than monday night the back-to-back weeks the titans lost to the jets and (laughs) they beat the Bills. like any given sunday any given day things can change that quickly
0: and just on that washington point washington put over 30 up against the falcons the broncos will not score over 30 points the Cowboys next, the Eagles after that, the Chargers after that, the Chiefs after that. They'll beat the Lions on the twelfth of December. Then they'll lose to the Bengals, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs. Good night. I have nothing more to say about this game tonight. I, I'm really pissed off, and it's just such a waste of talent. But I hope anybody that enjoys the game tonight, you know, watches the game, enjoys the game. I want to thank Matchbook. I want to thank the lads. I want to thank Trust Gaming for all it. And boys, we got through London. We're here. Is anybody set up tonight to watch the game?
1: yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna stay up and watch it there
2: you are Brian uh, me no I think I'll take this one in the morning thanks um airplane mode and uh, catch it before the real work starts in the morning
0: the real work starts in the morning. Mark are you gonna get a wee pizza movie and uh, <laughs> see no another one
4: another one uh no I've no well, I'm working like, like I'm not gonna stay up for this I'm gonna catch in the morning like Brian is as well um I value my sleep too much at this stage
0: we're back at ten AM on Sunday, um, and then we're live at nine or ten. I don't even know what time we're live on Monday evening. I'm in Portugal. Apparently, uh, there's a bank holiday down south. What would I know, boys? But sure, look, we'll have a good we'll have good crack on the bank holiday Monday live. We're back on Sunday with our usual show, non London, for once on Zoom, boys. Looking forward to it. Any any final thoughts, Colin? We'll start with you. Uh,
1: looking forward to discussing the end of that. Um, Bills Titans game in our our show at the at the weekend, um, and yeah, I, like as as Brian said, like for for the Broncos, I think tonight is enormous because I I don't fear Washington, I do fear Dallas. I really fear what a Dallas offense might do. But the Broncos could be five and three in in the next two weeks. So, Big Fangio, we'll the stage is yours. And in the hot front
2: no I just I was looking through the, the fixtures schedule for this weekend and there's not a lot of games that are standing out like the, one enticing one for me is the Titans and see how they fare against the Chiefs and uh, we made a mistake last week we were saying if the Dolphins had a one they go in their bye week in fact the Dolphins are playing this weekend yes it. yeah yeah so oh, it has happened in the past some teams get a bye, some some teams don't so yeah I only picked up on that when as Mark touched on earlier that uh Flores was getting interrogated about, the, about this Falcons game coming up and I went gee what's the panic you know it's a fortnight away only to realize an hour later it's in fact next weekend but you look at the games later on in the nine o'clock slot cards are home to the Texans Bears are home to books are home to the Bears and then you've got sorry one more that stood out the Rams Matthew Stafford are home to the
1: Lions I mean
2: some games Jesus. later on I,
1: I i will point out we there, there were there were weeks last year and weeks every year in the nfl where you think you look at it and you go ah no know that's that's and and all of a sudden every every single week there's a surprise also this weekend we have the ravens bengals to look forward to mm. i think that will be a good
2: game. Gift. yeah well the final sorry was the final point i was going to make i have a funny feeling we might see quite a lot of Consistent numbers across the board on the picks this weekend, but uh, there will be a surprise somewhere. Yeah.
0: And Mark, just finally, Mark for me. I don't know if you want to respond to this. I don't think Sean Watson's going anywhere.
4: Yeah, I think it's a really tough oh, call culture. for the Dolphins to make. I mean, if he's going anywhere, it is Stephen Russell it is the Dolphins, but you know, has that hung over that team a little bit this season as well? I mean, there's so much chatter in the off as well. But trading for him with numbers old legal situation, no idea if he's going to be banned, is very difficult. I will say this Brian Flores I'm kind of saying well you know look at the pressures on the three of the next five games they've got the Falcons they've got the Texans and they've got the Jets in those five games I mean, if you look in three of those five games you're looking to save your job that kind of helps a little bit um and somebody's got next week is the best week because you go back and yeah it is but then you've got different ah, lily, yeah. head as well ah, so lily. no Mark, Mark we have a bigger problem next Sunday
0: hallelujah we've got it we've
2: got we've got a halloween have the halloween party people knocking on our door that,
0: that
4: yeah. is true that is true hey well, really, me, really me one other, was worried one other yeah. thought michael and i'm just going to steal this directly from bill barnwell on espn who's always writes really insightful and fantastic uh, columns he wrote 10 theoretical trades that the team should consider before the trade deadline and the one that took my fancy was actually the titans and he said hey Times, you still don't have a great defense. Your team is aging. You've only got a limited window here. Go all in. And he was advocating for trading for Xavier Howard, saying Miami might be in a sell now mode and just doubling down, down, down to next year. And I was kind of, that would be intriguing. And that would be a very interesting, well worthwhile making move if Miami were minded to sell. So look, reminder the trade deadline's coming up. Always interesting to keep an eye on who is going to be the movers and shakers at that point in the season
0: absolutely and we'll be back at 10 a.m on sunday morning to well, thank everybody for joining us again last weekend on monday night football as well great crack and i hope you guys enjoyed again tonight and thanks so much to watch for, for everyone watching thanks to trust thanks to masters lads see you again on uh, what on sunday morning, sunday morning? Yep. See you then, lads. thank you, thank you. mr cockerel mark welcome duval. in my friend duval. you're here you've made it duval duval rival, wow. David.